I was unemployed, on my couch, had no idea what the heck I was going to do. The, somebody at my gym mentioned what wholesaling was, and I asked them to explain it to me. They said, nah, you got to look through your own research. Go to YouTube. So, okay. <laughs> Went to YouTube. I, I watched a couple of different people's videos, and I stumbled upon Jerry's, and it was... That it was a wrap. I taught myself how to wholesale by watching Jerry's YouTube channel. Welcome, guys, to this interview. I've got good friend Nick Massini. I am so excited, Nick, because we did an interview live at my house in Arizona about three years ago. And at the time, it was super awesome to hear how you're doing the business back in your home market there in Philadelphia. Uh, so I'm really excited to, to talk with you interview with you, find out what you're doing in your business, maybe break down like one of your really cool deals you've done. But uh, give us kind of an overview. By the way, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put the link in the description from our first interview, which was really fun to do because you shared kind of like how you got started. Uh, at the time, I think you were doing like a couple deals a month, getting your feet under you, really getting to that stage of like, you were full time, I think, but you were kind of really trying to like find your way in the business. And now it's been three years. And uh, I've been following you on social and kind of watching a little bit what you're doing. And it's just so fun to see you grow and develop and progress in the business. So, Nick, how you doing, man? Jerry, I'm doing good. I'm so happy to be speaking with you again. I, I, I love that you had me on the first time. That was a big, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, catapult into, uh, into a lot of success I had going on from, from there on out. And um, I'm honored to be back. What the heck, you know? I'm yeah, honored to be cool. speaking with you. Yeah. So tell us what the business has looked like. How have you transitioned from, you know, a couple of years ago, now looking like three years in? I mean, you know this, a lot of people get started in the business. Uh, some of them get to that first deal. Some of them that get to the first deal never go on and actually make it a real business. You're one of those few statistics that... Uh, saw it through and building a business and continually growing that business and have big goals on the horizon. So, so what was that like for you transitioning from like new wholesaler to now what I would call more experienced wholesaler? What's that look like for you? You know, I'll tell you an interesting journey with a lot of ups and downs and, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I got in. A, I got caught in the trap of wholesaling as a trade, which I shouldn't have done. Because I'll tell you what, I've seen enough of your videos to know there's a big difference between wholesaling as a trade and having a business that does wholesale deals. What's so the difference? I, for I, you? I, the difference is there's a lot of differences, but the main difference is. I mean, uh, lifestyle and, and and peace of mind. You don't want to be just chasing individual deal and check by check. That that it's fun when you first get at, when you first get into the business because you, and at least for me, I had so much fun doing all these deals and and, and learning, and I wanted to be so hands on uh, with every deal because. Uh, every deal you do, the more you learn. And I didn't really have any real estate background, so I really got caught into doing the. Uh, I, uh, I guess the the trade of wholesaling, but when you're doing that, you really, 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 really got to grind if you want to make enough money for it to be worth it. You got to go, you got to go nuts. You, you might as well be working yeah. a job in, in in a lot of senses. For not for everybody, don't get me wrong, but for some people, having a business is more much better for your lifestyle. You you're not hands on with with everything, and more high level responsibilities, obviously for sure. But getting to spend more time with my family. Um, and treating it more like a marketing company 
um, rather than a, a trade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I really like that. And you're right. I do talk about this a lot because part of this is developmental. Like it's normal to get into the business and it is a trade. And when you say trade, what he means by that, guys, is like an owner operator, right? Like a solopreneur where you're wearing all the hats. And I certainly was that way in the beginning, Nick. I think you were. In fact, I think pretty much everybody, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody comes into this business and they're instantly, you know, business owner, right? In the in the owner box. It's developmental to get into the owner box. The challenge is, is the transition from solo operator to legit business owner, that phase between, it's brutal. And it's falling down on your face. It's losing money sometimes, hiring the wrong people, all the things that are like really, really hard because you only progress out of that when you yourself develop as a leader. And so what most people do is they go backwards. Like they they start to go down that like scale to a business phase. And then they quickly hit a whole bunch of roadblocks and they realize, man, I made more money or man, it was easier when I just did everything myself. I'm going to go back to that phase and stay in that like subcontractor kind of mindset. And so that's why I see like, honestly, I think maybe 80% of full-time wholesalers stay in that owner operator and wear all the hats, do all the things. They're great. They're great at transacting. They're great at their trade. But what happens is, is a couple of things happen. It, it ends up being a high paying job. It ends up being something that you can never step away from. So like you said, lifestyle is drastically affected and your income is capped because you can only personally do so much. And so like you hit this threshold of maybe I see 250, maybe 300,000 as like max. And that's it because you can't grow past that all by yourself wearing all the hats usually. And, and even if you did, what you're doing is you're trading your time for dollars and you'll never really become free from the business if you don't go through that phase of developing a real legit business. So I love this conversation. It's something I try to have a lot because you know what you don't want to do is you don't want to be in the mindset of chasing deals. You want to be in the mindset of building a business that does deals. And that's kind of a, a, for me, it was a major light bulb moment when we went from, you know, from that transition of one way of thinking to the other. So love that. I mean, that's the conversation I love to have. How did you navigate through some of that? And I know it's a work in progress, right? Like, of course, time. you know, like you, yeah. you probably never feel like you arrive. I always feel like, man, there's so much I still want to learn and do better uh, but what does that look like for you? Has it is it a deal size? Is it has it been like uh, a specific kind of team that you're working with now? How are you transitioning out of the trenches into that owner's box? Okay, well, I so I I tried last year. It was the first time I decided. All right, 2021, I went on a run. I'll tell you that much, Jerry. Solopreneur, just doing deal by deal. Um, I was doing a lot of deals. What the heck? I enjoy wholesaling as a as a not only as a trade but as a hobby. I love it, Jerry. It makes me super happy. Um, so I wanted to run, but I I learned I knew that I needed to be following your advice more. Sorry, let me let me build a business. Um, so I got some virtual assistants, had somebody that was that was managing them. Um, and twenty twenty two happened. Interest rate rates went a little crazy, and I, I know that every area of the country had a little bit of a different experience. I'll tell you what: in Philly, it got hit hard. Mm. All the buyers left. 
it was a whole new crop of people came up and people were buying different, but there was a good amount of months where there was just a halt. No one wanted to buy anything because there was a big interest rate, uh, risk fear that everyone was having. And so I, I had all this money coming out and my deals went from really, really high volume to not much volume at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough. I got caught holding the bag. Um, I believed in myself and I wasn't worried about it too much. I knew that I, I, I'd figure it out, but I, uh, I, I kind of scrapped it by midway through the year. I kind of scrapped that. I was like, let me go back to being a solopreneur because I got a family. I got, I have a lady. I have a, I have a child. I, I, at the end of the day, I, I there's people that I, that I feed. I, I, I need the money. So I went back into doing the trade, um, fixed the money a little bit. And then bam, this year has been all about uh, actually building a team and separating myself from the business. So now I have virtual assistants. Um, I did a bad job managing everybody like, Last year, I'll tell you that much, Jerry. Managing yeah. people is super difficult, yeah. and I, I had some, I had someone, and I'll tell you what they. Looking back at it now, they they could have been so great at at managing the virtual my acquisition manager. They could have been incredible, but I did a bad job managing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you live and learn. So this year, um, this year we're building the VA program. Um, I'm managing the virtual assistants. But they, I'm training them to kind of be account managers for a lot of their, a lot of their leads. So as me, as far as me as a, an acquisitions manager, I'm still not talking to many sellers unless it's a complicated situation. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's great that you, you know, pivot, right? So in this business, we have to always pivot and be thinking about how to pivot and be able to pivot quickly. Market changes, things happen. How do I adjust? What are the hard choices I need to make? And I love that you recognize that that you weren't you're not blaming something else. A lot of times it's it's easier to blame external circumstances. You own it, right? You realize, hey, I wasn't being a good leader. I need to develop myself more as a leader. How do I bring on a team and develop that team? Because the one thing that I think you're realizing, and, and I've realized this too, is if I want to attract really talented people. I have to be a really good leader because talent won't come into my organization if I'm not someone that they want to hitch onto, right? They're going to they're going to go somewhere else of that's course. got really good leadership. How do I be a better leader so I can attract better talent? And that I mean that's like that's like the most important thing to build your company is to build yourself. As you build yourself, mm. you'll build your team too and your and your business too. So I mean that's it takes a lot of humility though. That's not easy to do. I, uh, whenever things aren't going right, I, I kind of have this rule I follow where first I assume that it's me. And then, and then after that, maybe see, is it you? So like, if somebody's not working out, the first question I ask is, have I not been a good leader? What have, have I not given you the tools to succeed or the training to succeed? Is it me? And I'm, and I'm genuinely openly honest and, and want to know, is it me? Or is it you? Are you not showing up? Are you not doing the work? Like, what is it? (laughs) I'm going to assume it's me first. Um, And a lot of leaders don't do that. A lot of business owners don't do that. They always first assume it's someone else when most of the time it's you not being a good leader. So that's great. I I learned that. I learned that last year. I'll tell you that much, Jerry. Yeah. How much of your business right now, Nick, is um, on market versus off market? Because when we spoke a couple of years ago, you were kind of following a lot of the things I teach and which are great in the beginning, which is on market, but I know you've transitioned into off market as well. What's your mix look like? Okay. So you know what? My mix at this point, uh, 
up until maybe maybe like two months ago, I was doing a good one deal a month on market mm-hmm. um, and the rest were off market. Okay. Um, so you've transitioned off market quite a bit. Yeah, I'm off market, but I still do on market every single month. Um, right now, the past couple of months, I have not been doing any um, of the on market myself. However, I, I do a little coaching program through my Instagram and I have a and and I um I'll tell you what a couple of these guys are animals, Jerry. Yeah. They're making so many offers all the time, and I I found I was competing with a lot of these kids on market. They would send me, "Hey, Nikki, I got this lead." I was like, oh, "Man, I was talking about agent earlier today." <laughs> um, so instead, and I can't be doing that. You know that 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 defeats the purpose. I want to help all these people out. So I've been I've I've been doing more on market deals now. I've been Maybe doing it with them. Maybe like. But I've been JVing with them. So the past couple of months, I've done like three, four on market deals, but they've been through my students. Amazing. Yeah. Smart. Like why collaborate with the people that are, you know, maybe calling the same agents. That's, I think that's great. That's really exactly, good. exactly. And I'm going to do any of the offers. I just got to dispo the places. So what the heck? I'll take it, you know? Yeah. You know, I talk about this quite a bit because I love, love, love on market, but there is limited availability because there's only so many agents Mm -hmm. and so many sellers are going to list with those agents that we're targeting, right? Distressed real estate. Whereas off market, like the sky's the limit, but you also pick up a whole bunch more moving parts with off market. And so there's trade-off, right? But, uh, you know, really to kind of build a business that's going to keep producing and start to exceed million dollar level, you know, you have to implement off market into the mix. It's really difficult with just on market or any type of one trick pony. Like you never want to be just doing one thing in the business to get in front of sellers. You really want to be thinking, how do I develop one, like go deep, develop it, get good at it. But then what other marketing channels are available in your market and how do you maximize those opportunities? And so I see you starting to do that now where you're, where you're kind of now targeting specific types of leads and, you know, building a model around that, those different marketing channels. So Nick, I really want to talk to you about this. Uh, I love doing like a deal breakdown. Tell me about this big deal you did. That was a $50,000 assignment. What was that deal like for you? It was a good deal, Jerry. I'll tell you (laughs) that. Life is all about timing. It's all about timing. It really, really is. Um, So, I, I I call a seller. I said, "Would you be you know uh, Would you be interested in selling your property?" Um, the woman is interested in selling her property. This is off market. Off market. Um, what type of lead was it? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Technically speaking, it was listed on market, but I had no idea. So I bought a list. It was supposed to be an absentee owner list. Okay. A long time ago, I watched one of your videos, Jerry, and you said if you're going to do off market, do the tied landlords, do the absentee owners, because uh, man, you know you're dealing with a lot of either like-minded people or people that are out the wits together and they're they're either either just want to trade off for convenience or you're looking for pricing errors but either way they're a rational human being that you can have a real discussion with instead yeah. of some okay. uh, so and, and I like that I less emotion I like the there, there's usually no emotion and that's that's kind of how it's a it's a better conversation at least for me and mm-hmm. um, so I called the woman. She says she's interested in selling, um, but she didn't want to do any of the talking that I'd, I'd have to go through her daughter, who's the real estate agent. So I said, okay, great. Let me have a number. And Jerry, she wouldn't give me the number. She would only take mine. 
And whenever that happens, I always assume, well, I'll never get a call back because I usually don't get a call back. Like it's a blow off. It's a blow off thing. I'll call you. Don't you call me kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And people are bad at following up usually. And I'm not. So if I know if I get the number, I'm going to get a hold of the person. Um, it's the if if I just give my number out, I know often I'm never going to receive a call. That's just usually how it goes. And a couple of days went by, I thought nothing of it, and I get a call. And she said, hi, um, I'm calling, um, like I'm my mom's agent, blah, blah, blah. And I was so surprised. I, I almost, I didn't even remember what property she was talking about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> send me, yeah, send me the address. And then um, like, tell me the address. So she tells me the address. I look it up. I see it's on market for like a ton. Jerry has so much money for this area. Like it was, it was so much. It's not even so overpriced. It wasn't even worth talking to her about almost. So I kind of like blew her off. Like I wasn't super serious about it. I was like, yeah, I'm interested. But like, you guys want that much? All right, I tell you, I don't know how much. I, I really don't think I can do that much. Um, she had no pictures or anything. Or anything. So she said, listen, I'm going to have pictures in a couple of days or maybe a week. I'll, I'll give you a call back. Think of an offer, though. It needs a full renovation. I didn't even look at it because I know we're so far apart. Um, eventually, she gets back to me, Jerry. I uh, I couldn't. There wasn't a ton of comps. but I So I made an offer that I knew if she they accept this, I got to be able to sell this thing. Yeah. It's, it's so cheap. But it was, it was tough to comp. And sometimes it happens, you know. So I, I give the offer thinking that she there's not a chance that they'll ever accept this. It was like 150 or uh, probably it was it was 150 a property as well as what I offered. I think it was listed for like 500 a property, you know, and it was listed on market. So like they wanted almost like a million for all this. Um, something crazy. I gave the offer. Within two days, she hits me back. Hey, Nikki, it's yours. Bing, bang, boom. Wow. Okay. So this was a single family or what was this? They were, they were, uh, they were multifamilies. It was a package of homes or was it, um, was it, it was, it was a package of two properties, two multifamily properties side by side. Okay. So two side by sides in Philadelphia, um, combined, she wanted 500 for both properties. Yeah. She wanted that five or six for both properties combined. And then you offered her, what'd you say? One fifty. No, I, uh, 150 per, so I offered half. Okay, so you offered her 300, which was half of what she wanted for the property. You're thinking to yourself, okay, there's no way she's going to take half. And this is really common too. Like, um, It takes this happening one time, like what just happened to you, and you will never discriminate again based on ask price versus offer price. Because you just never know. Like sometimes we think, okay, they're asking this number and clearly they're not motivated because they want way too much money. And that certainly could be the case. Often it is the case, but you just never know. So your job as a wholesaler should be to just put the offer in front of sellers and agents, not try to decipher if they're motivated. Let them decide they're motivated when they res- when they respond. Either they're going to respond or not yeah. respond. That's when you'll really know. You never really know. It doesn't matter what someone's asking. The way you really find out if someone's motivated is put an offer in front of them and see what they do. That's the only way to really know. Exactly. Yeah. So you did that. And so here you're thinking, okay, there's no way. I'm just going to give her like a blow off. You know, I'm just going to make this offer, you know, and then she and then she calls back and says, we'll take it. Nikki, it's yours. I couldn't believe it. And she was the sweetest woman ever, actually. She was great. The, the daughter, the realtor. She was great. And uh, yeah, and I, what I guess what so you contract it, and then what happens? Yeah, 
Sold that sucker on Facebook, I'll tell you that much. Sold it on Facebook. None of my buyers wanted it. I only had one offer. Only one offer. And usually if you only got one offer, it's not usually the greatest spread. Yeah. Um, but I had one offer and it was it was, it was for a fifty thousand dollar assignment. I said yes immediately. We closed that up. And why and, do you think uh, why do you think there was low interest because it was a big rehab, or what was it that was not attractive for like your normal buyers? It Location. was a big rehab. Yeah. It was a big rehab. And I'll tell you, uh, it was an it's an area of the city that um some people are afraid of. Okay. Okay. So not a great area. Um, and your buyer, are they were they thinking to flip or keep as a rental? What was there? Do you know oh, what was there? No, no, they're they're keeping that. They're okay. keeping that and doing that. yeah. And um Maybe in a, in a couple of years, do some student housing because it's near Temple. But it's uh, right now, it's a little bit too far for Temple students. But within a couple of years, it'll it'll be good for Temple gotcha. students. Gotcha. And so you put that thing on on a local Facebook group in that for oh, like yeah. investors of an investor group, and someone mm-hmm. reaches out. And did you at the time did you did you offer a price or did you make them give you a price or how'd you how'd you work the number? Um, you know, they offered me what I had, they, they are, what they offered me is what I was looking to, to get for it. Okay. So you offered 50 K more than your contract. And, and then he didn't, he didn't try to beat you down. He just said, I want it for that price. And he said, you know what? I'll take it. Send me the, yeah. it was so simple, Jerry. I was worried that it was real. I thought it was a scam, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or that he'd go look at it and change his mind or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. he actually ended up getting sight unseen, which is always usually, it was a lot of times it's scary for me. Yeah. Um, because usually a lot of times people will come back and say, oh, I needed it cheaper, this and that. I didn't know and use that as an excuse. Uh, but not this guy. They closed and it was great. I have a deal with them going on right now. Another deal with the, these So buyers. repeat, repeat uh, buyer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you did that, uh, did you tell us about kind of terms? Did you do like a 30-day close? Did you get earnest money? Was it a, was it a, a true assignment? Title, anything with title? It all just went like clockwork? How'd that all go? It was really easy. I I did not double close. I just did a normal assignment. The buyer put down, I think, like five grand mm-hmm. deposit per per property. I, it went really textbook and smooth. Yeah. I'll tell you that much, yeah. Jerry. Yeah, that's fun. You know, it's great when you have because you know how it goes, right? If you're in the business, uh, contracts fall out, buyers fall out, title issues, oh, yeah. like so many things. You know, whatever. Twenty five percent of contracts never make it to closing for whatever reasons. So I tell people, you know, when you're in the game, the deal of a lifetime should come like once a week, you know, or whatever, every so often, but you don't get the deal of a lifetime like this one. You don't get the easy 50K lay down deals if you're not in the game. Once you're in the game and you're active and you're out there, you're out there hustling and you're doing the deals and you're doing the business, then you get these home run deals. They just sent, they just tend to kind of come your way. I think it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, law of attraction. It's like the the universe or God or whoever's rewarding you for putting in the work. And I just see it time and again, where you get these amazing deals, not every day, not every day, not every deal, not every time, but they'll start to become more normal as you get more active. For sure. For sure. You, de- you got to be putting in the work for the universe to reward you with things like that. Yeah, that's great. So what's the business look like for you now? What are you hoping to do? I mean, do you, have you have you thought through like what's your big 2024 goals? Build build more wholesaling, do other things? Are you still 
Where, do, where, where are you at? What are you thinking? All right. Well, where I'm at right now, I, uh, I'm working, I'm, I'm working on my average, um, the amount of money I make per deal, I'm looking to deal increase size, yeah. it. Uh, deal size uh, on market, and we're looking at five to seven pieces. Off market, and you know what? A lot of times similar, um, but lately they've been closer to ten pieces, so uh, uh, ten grand. So yeah. I'm looking to not do any assignments really that are under ten, 10 grand. Um, looking, I got I have two uh, virtual assistants that are calling for me basically full-time they're they're animals and i put a lot of time into them i'm in love with them i i don't know what i would do without these people they're great <laughs> um and no they're incredible i love them they're both doing a 10 piece of, they're both doing a 10 piece a month right now the past the past like two months um and my 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 overall expenses on them are, are really not bad my overhead is like five grand you know so i'm doing two 10 pieces with them and i'm doing some deals from through my students right now i'm trying to the goal immediately is to either get another virtual assistant or get some of these people to i if i can get them to like one and a half deals per month mm-hmm. ooh, yeah. Big difference. Um, and then after a little bit, when I get the, the when I get them consistently doing, I, I just want one more deal a month. If I can get one more deal a month out of them, I'm, I'll be, I want to take that, put it into some, some PPC. Cause if you really want big spreads, yeah. you got to be in the PPC game. You need to be. Um, yeah. And then, 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 then venture into the PPC game. I'd like to, uh, again, I'd like to continue separating myself from the business while right now they're doing most of their account management. I, I call it account management because I'm doing mainly tired landlords. Um, and I can, they kind of manage that account that my virtual assistants do. So I am more, I don't have to, to talk to many sellers unless it is again, a complex situation, but I am ultimately looking to have somebody still take that place of yeah. me for, for me and, and, and I get and be their account manager. Um, I'm not doing any of my appointments for the most part right now, unless it's a, uh, unless it's a hot, if it's a hot juicy deal, the seller is actually going to be there, then I'll go. Gotcha. Um, Good. but my, the guys that do the two guys that do my appointments, Jerry, I'll tell you what, they're more likable than me and the more punctual with the time than me. So I don't know, you know, so they're, be, be, these guys are animals. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, 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 I was going to say, I, uh, we haven't we haven't yet connected on it all the way, but I I really want to invest in your business. I really believe in you and what you're doing. If that's a good fit, we'll talk more about it. But but I'm excited for what you're doing and really proud of you, Nick, for putting in the putting in the work, working on growing the business. You know, you're you're developing some people there on the ground that you're JVing with and teaching them how to do the business. I mean, really really cool what you're doing. Really proud of you, guys. Leave a comment. Thank say, you so Nick, much. You're, yeah, leave a comment, guys, and say Nick, you're a flipping genius. Because it's really cool what you're doing, you know, building the business and thank you so much, making a difference. It's I think you're making a difference, and that's really cool to see. Uh, thank you so, so much, Harry. And seriously, I, I I for for those of you that are on this, you know that I I was unemployed on my couch, had no idea what the heck I was going to do. The, somebody at my gym mentioned what wholesaling was, and I asked them to explain it to me. They said, "Now nah, you got to look to your own research. Go to YouTube." So okay. <laughs> with the YouTube, I watched a couple of different people's videos and I stumbled upon Jerry's and it was, 
that it was a wrap. I taught myself how to wholesale by watching Jerry's YouTube channel. And I owe every Jerry, I, I owe everything. You guys to watch every single one of your videos. Thank you. Like every single one. You were you were are so ahead of the game with with everything. And I, half the time when I screw up, I think to myself, I can't believe I did that. Jerry had a video <laughs> about this. I shouldn't have done that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you know, funny. so I um I still learn from you all the time. That's awesome. Well, good. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Thank you, Nick. And 